Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This edition of How to Be a CEO is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharmadine Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June 2024. Good luck. ES Audio. Where is your company going to be 10 years after it was founded? How about valued at one and three quarter billion dollars? I can't complain. Overnight success takes 10 years. Um, <laughs> it was hard to believe back then. For others, I of course believed in it. Timo Boot is the CEO and founder of Gusto, the company that disrupted the food industry in 2012 by sending boxes and recipes for what to do with what's inside them to people's homes. The subscription meal kit industry is globally worth around $20 billion today. And Timo was there right at the start. In the early days, you know, this was me writing recipes myself, going to the market and then hand delivering to customers, giving customers my personal phone number so that they called me until like 1am at night and <laughs> it was crazy. I'm David Marsden from the Evening Standard. Now this show is about how to be a CEO and there are no quick ways. But what about appearing on Dragon's Den, I hear you ask? Well, Timo did that with Gusto and didn't get any money. So when I meet him, I kind of want to know... What happened there? How the world has changed in 10 years, Timo. When you were trying to explain what a food box was to a group of people who didn't understand what the concept was about, Duncan Ballantyne said to you, you probably remember this, I don't see any way you'll ever make any money. Now, your, <laughs> your company was just valued at one and three quarter billion dollars. A lot's happened in 10 years, hasn't it, Timo? I can't complain. Overnight success takes 10 years. Um, it was hard to believe back then. For others, I, of course, believed in it. But, um, but yeah, no, the world has changed so much since then. I launched 10 years ago. Dragons then was a huge milestone, hugely fun, 40 cameras. It took two hours of, of, you know, recording 40 cameras. You know that every time you're sweating, you're red faced. That's what they will edit, you know, and show. Uh, it's a quite daunting experience, but no, really glad. And Duncan became a customer subsequently. So I'm really proud that he became a customer. Yes. He did say in the episode, I'm going to become a customer, but I'm not giving you any money. <laughs> and that Gee, was I'm sure you regret it. You'd got him up to do the, the demonstration. You had Duncan creating a Gusto box right there in front of you. But when you said that, you, the, the two of you seemed quite nervous about asking, oh, do, does anybody want to make one of these? Well, so the challenge was, 
the the electricity didn't work inside the den and so we had to pre-boil everything and, and kind of fake it on camera pretending we're cooking but obviously the dragons weren't briefed on this so we had no clue if this would kind of look horrible on tv and you know it might taste like rubbish and and so it was quite improvised after eight hours of waiting in the BBC studio in Manchester to be on stage and then suddenly being told, you know, oh, sorry, the cooking doesn't work, by the way. Like, can you just quickly boil the potatoes in the corner before you go in? So, OK. Uh, <laughs> so I guess that was probably a lot of people's first introduction to your company did that maybe highlight some of the issues you might be going to face you know trying to persuade people this is a good way to use recipes to cook a subscription box did you did you struggle at all to get that idea across yes david <laughs> <laughs> that's the short answer it was hugely difficult because 10 years ago to convince anyone to buy food online was quite like novel and weird and you know shelf life issues and it wasn't so common uh, now obviously the world has shifted um, and I guess what we saw back then was 40% of food is wasted in the UK and if food waste was a country it would be the third largest country after the US and China in terms of CO2 emissions and so we managed to reduce it by 94% by taking it out of the supply chain and by giving you exactly what you need. But back then, articulating that concisely felt really difficult because, yeah, just so novel back then. Was there any kind of really effective way of getting that message out? What was the, the, the most, the best bit of marketing you could do? Well, give customers a box, you know, give, give investors a box. I actually back then sent food boxes to venture capitalist funds in uh in in berlin uh in stockholm you know we were looking for sustainability focused mission driven investors and so we tried to ship these boxes across the uk so that people could actually feel the food see the product get excited um, and so we developed a lot of recipes that didn't require any refrigerated items um so perfect for vegan recipes was there a lot of having to do pitching to potential investors i mean and how did you kind of how, was there a secret to it or did you have to just kind of make it up as you go along i i think rocky balboa very eloquently said it in one of his rocky movies and he says you know winning is not about how hard you can punch it's about how hard you can be punched in the face and, and you know not fall down and i mean it sounds horrible but the key lesson for me and and still is, is it's all about resilience and being okay with rejection and not giving up. You know, if a hundred people say no, you know, I mean, of course you have to be open to feedback and you have to refine what you're doing, but maybe you just need 110 people. Um, and I always tell the story, but I send so many people a Christmas card asking for them to mentor me. This was 10 years ago. One of them was El Gore. And since then I had, you know, 10, well, sorry, not 10, but I had three dinners with El Gore and complete serendipity. But no one ever says, Timo, who are the other 50 people you send a Christmas card to who haven't responded? Oh, that's a shame. You wasted so much money and stampage and so on. Uh, you know, the only thing that matters is kind of the one person that loves you, loves the idea uh, and, and, and backs you. 
Um, and so, yeah. The, the cost of 50 Christmas cards is definitely worth dinner with Al Gore, <laughs> isn't it? Even just one. And you, you I, I wholeheartedly agree. So was there a lot of, I guess, cold calling? Was it a big hustle to try and get stuff? How How much work went into getting money or getting marketing as much as getting the product right? Yeah, I mean, you know, we had an amazing team and I'm so proud that some of them are still working with us. We actually have, you know, Aiden, Ricardo, employees who joined as interns in the first year, like literally when we had five customers. Um, they're absolutely incredible. They're still in the business and so, so blessed, you know, the team we had. And then there was kind of, as you said, like the pitching, the investor side. And yeah, it's all about the hustle, meeting as many people as possible. You know, I, I remember boarding trains to go to Paris and just, just meet as many people everywhere. And, and through the process, figure out what type of capital is right. Where's the chemistry? Are they buying into purpose, mission, values of, of what we're trying to achieve? Or are they just trying to make a profit in, in two years and flip it? And so we really wanted somebody who yeah sticks with us for, for the long term. Yeah, and I guess that works with the team that you're working with as well, that you talked about the people who've been there since almost day one. This must have been a great journey for you guys. Has it felt like an adventure or has it, has it felt like trauma? I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, entrepreneurship is such a steep roller coaster of, you know, terror and then excitement you know, enhanced by lack of sleep. And uh, it's a weird experience in many ways. I feel so blessed to be on this journey. And I feel enormously privileged to have, you know, had these, for, for having these experiences. Um, and, and ultimately, it comes down to the people. If you love the people on the journey, it, it's such a joy and such a privilege. Was there a point when it, when you did feel this is going to work? Was there a specific moment when you thought, yeah, okay, we're, we're going to be okay, this is going to work now? You know, I get this question all the time, and it's really hard to pinpoint down these moments. I, I think we hired a few people uh, that are still in the business that have done between six and 10 years. And every time we hired these people, I genuinely, after a couple of months, felt like my life is getting so much better. I see the results and what they're achieving. These people are amazing. Everything is kind of shifting. And these moments kind of foreshadowed success the most. Um, so really, really proud of the people on this journey. All comes down to them. As the company has grown and, while, and as you've been looking for larger and larger scales of investment, does that change how you do the strategy to, to make those pitches? Do you, do, do you write individual pitches for different people or is it the same thing for, for everyone? Everybody gets the same, the same power slides. So I, I would argue that two things. One, we have really professionalized investor relations. We brought in somebody who's done it for five, six years at Gusto now. He deserves a ton of credit. Barnaby, you know, our CFO has done a ton of pitching with me. And so we have a very experienced kind of team and a very kind of rigid process, very, very like data driven. We meet lots of funds for chemistry fit. We don't waste too much time on funds. And so that, that, that side has improved. Then on a personal level, I don't prepare for pitches. I meet people. You know, I tell my story. Um, the team kindly puts together a couple of slides and they're fairly like standardized. And I look for fit. How do investors think about the world? What's their value add? Are they truly thinking in 10-year terms? What like, 
you know, painful experience that they have in their portfolio that points towards learning and reflection. Um, you know, how will they act once they're on board? And so I, I think you can only mess up your shareholder base and your board once. Uh, it's a very painful experience, I'm sure. And so far, I've been, I've been so glad our shareholders have been the biggest asset. They've been huge cheerleaders. You know, we've got people like Joe Wiggs uh, invested into Gusto. And so really, really grateful to them. Yeah, Joe Wiggs is a, is a recent investor, isn't he? What's it like to, to get that kind of celebrity status? alongside the the company yeah we had like a couple you know in the early days andy peters uh came to the office when we were like 20 30 people he invested early i mean he made a huge return we had a couple of very high profile ceos from the u.s running like the biggest companies in the u.s and and so we had a few people where it, where it felt quite special and i was really proud sharing the news with the team uh, and i think again it's it's you know testimony to their hard work um, yeah, I mean, Joe is particularly awesome. He is the nation's PE teacher. He was a customer. He then messaged me saying, hey, why don't we meet up at some point? I love what you're doing. I love the purpose of feeding families across the UK. He came to the office. We became friends. You know, we we started a commercial partnership. Joe Wicks is on the menu every week. So, you know, I have, have some of his recipes every week. They're awesome. And then at some point he said, look, you know, I've never invested into a startup, but could I give you some money? And uh, I I don't think he's ever regretted it. I mean, he smashed it um, through Gusto. And so he's very happy. We're really happy. He's such a great person. And it's really rare to meet people like him who is so committed, so driven, and so like values and purpose uh, are obsessed as we are. I guess it's one thing getting the money team, but the next thing is is how do you spend it? Now, you've just had a really big funding round at the start of, of this year. Where's that investment going into what's happening to, to Gusto now? Yeah, so, I mean, we've grown massively in the last couple of years. Pre-pandemic, we were growing at 75% per year uh, for an average of five years. So massive, massive growth. Since 2020, the team has jumped from 400 people to almost 2,000 people now. We moved away from one factory to now a couple of factories across the UK, highly, highly automated factories, factories that are data-driven, AI-driven. We are building the software. And so a huge amount of money has gone into uh, technology, AI, automated capabilities to feed the UK. And our mission really is simple. It's, you know, to to build amazing products that have positive impact on people and the planet. And so despite all the, the economic challenges we're seeing in the UK, I'm so proud. We just increased the menu size to now 75 recipes on the menu every single week, twice what the competitors have. We kept prices the same for a very, very long time. We've now, for the first time in 18 months, uh, actioned a small price increase, but way, way, way below kind of what inflation levels are, thereby making it even cheaper well, or less expensive for people to buy Gusto. And so our mission is really make the product better and then we generate this flywheel. You know, customers love it. They refer it to their friends, they retain better and we can invest more. That's kind of the simple philosophy. Right, let's take a break. I'm going to check out a Joe Wicks recipe. And do you know what's quicker to do than a chicken and king prawn Thai green curry? 15 minutes, by the way. Rate and review this podcast. You'll even have time to give us a follow. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. 
United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. One thing that's also changed since you founded the company is the number of people working in that market. Now, you have considerably more rivals than you did when you first started. I guess the question is, how do you stay ahead? I mean, how, how do you innovate in, in, a, in cooking, effectively, which has been, you know, centuries-old markets, centuries-old traditions? How do you stay ahead of, of your opposition? I mean, funny story. In 2013, we had a really well-funded competitor and we were located in Acton, you know, in a very cheap kind of neighborhood in, in, in London, um, where office space isn't, isn't expensive. And all of a sudden that competitor was looking down on us physically by having their office four levels above us. And it was hugely daunting. And back then in 2013, we counted 15 competitors and I think 14 of them have shut down since then. And I think what we learned over time is, is that the barriers to entry are small, but the barriers to scale are enormous. And, and if you actually look at market share, we have a really good market share. We're very large. We've got massive scale. Not many companies have, have achieved any market share or any scale in this, in this area. So I think it looks a bit busier than it actually is. Um, and hey, the secret sauce is give customers what they love. Like if price point, lead time, convenience, sustainability, health, you know, if you can make everything better by an order of magnitude for customers, you know, our share of stomach today is 0.2%. Why can it not be 1%, 1.5%? You know, if it, if it, if we could get to 1% of all evening meals in the UK, that would grow the business again by 5x. And that's massive. And it feels pretty achievable to me. And so we're just humbly kind of working towards what customers want. When do you think you might hit that? Is is there a is there a set date? Is there a goal for for one percent? No, I'm just using that as an example. That's not you know a goal in itself. But it's just you know this market is massive. I think what we're doing is embryonic. I think it's day one. We've got like such an amazing team. 
we, we now have 50% of people in the office working on technology and AI. And so we're building capabilities that are far bigger than what you see today. And so the future is quite bright. Yeah, there's a lot of sophistication behind what is a cardboard box with some food in it, isn't it? That's, <laughs> you're talking about AI. How are you working with AI and data and, and what, what sort of things are those bringing to you? You know, there's so many applications. To give you a couple of examples, you know, our personalization engine, the chefs are real magicians. I love what they do every week. It's so tasty. But we've they've created 6,000 recipes. And like no human could ever figure out like which 75 recipes go on the menu every week. And so we needed to build a software that like takes into account heat, uh, you know, seasonality, sustainability, and puts everything onto a menu uh, that customers love, you know, they buy again, it's, it has the lowest CO2 emissions and so on. So there's so many uh, ways to dimensionalize what goes onto a menu. Only AI could kind of figure it out. And so that's a big case. How we route boxes in our factories, where we put ingredients. Do we have tomatoes at 50 stations, 150, 10? I mean, no clue. It's humanly impossible. Um, and, and so we needed to build a lot of supply chain AI, uh, menu AI, but also churn prediction, um, you know, resurrection campaigns, marketing. We probably have like 15 use cases for AI and deep learning and smart technology at Gusto. Uh, and so we built these kind of capabilities over time. Today, we actually have a licensing business selling that technology to other companies across the world. Uh, and it's you know, it's the, again, it's day zero for that business. That business is called Bento. It has the smartest people working in it ever. But since we have built a technology, why not empower other companies to have the same technology whilst reducing engineering waste to, to close to zero as we've done with food waste? Yeah, it's great diversification of the company. Did you ever think that you'd be heading up? I guess you're heading up a software company now. It, it's absolutely weird. I think I do. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think it, it, at some point it dawned upon me. <laughs> you're you're a, you're a tech leader like Elon Musk. So you're it's very kind. <laughs> no, that's uh, and not yeah, despite <laughs> on what spectrum. But yeah. <laughs> what we we talked a lot about what Augustus do, but let, let's talk about that actual product itself because that's that's the basics of the success, isn't it? You have to get that right how long did it take you to 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 kind of get like all the little dimensions of it right to source the food to sort out the poster how did all the how how did that work so i mean in the early days you know this was me writing recipes myself going to the market and then hand delivering to customers giving customers my personal phone number so that they called me until like 1 a.m at night and it was crazy <laughs> And obviously, have you changed that number yet, Tim? <laughs> I have, I have, I have. Um, <laughs> good fun, though. Um, but but I mean, like today, you know, we have we have such a great team focusing on these areas and being so 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 excellent. Uh, you know, somewhere between ten years ago and and you know maybe five years ago, I think this product really became good maybe great um, and, and fitting into like people's lives and really having profound impact on families across the UK. I think it's still not exceptional. It could be exceptional. We're really humble. We know what the issues are. We've got to focus and work really, really hard. 
but it needs to be mind-blowingly amazing to get to 1%, 1.5, 2% of share of stomach. And that's kind of the mission. And so, you know, as a customer, you should expect so much positive change to come while CO2 emissions go down and down and down. You're looking at things like CO2 emissions. I think you have 100% recyclable boxes now, don't you? And and how is the Clo- food... Close to it, yeah. Yeah, how is the food itself sourced? Are you thinking about global footprints? Do you pay a bit more in order to be a bit more environmentally friendly? Yes. I mean, in a, in a nutshell, yes. Um, look... Every single time you eat Gusto, 23% of CO2 emissions are taken out of the system versus the equivalent supermarket shop. You know, we had a Bristol University did an independent study. It got verified by a think tank. So we're really proud of that. But we see it as kind of the floor, not the ceiling of our ambition. You know, the question is, how do we take CO2 emissions out everywhere? We look at scope one, two and three. I mean, not to get into too much detail, but one and two is kind of, you know, the office people and and scope three you know deliveries food so the really really hard stuff it's easy like to get to net neutral for one maybe two but three is the hard stuff and so we're working with farmers with the supply chain if we for example fund an electric tractor for farmer barbara in lincolnshire you know like the co2 emissions in the supply chain will decrease for the next 10 20 years and that's amazing whereas if you just offset you kind of get addicted to paying a pound and you don't really know if that tree is actually standing there for 100 years and so on so we're really focusing on decarbonization taking carbon out of the supply chain everywhere in a very data driven way you know put the smartest people on the onto the toughest problem and so i'm proud of the the positive impact we're having but it needs to be even better and better and better so that all companies get to 1.5 degrees global warming, ideally less. Not everyone will participate, so we have to achieve a lot less, actually. But that's, that's the ambition. Am I right in saying you have B Corp status now? or have I Yes, we are B Corp. Um, again, I, I see it as a nice kind of accreditation, but it's the floor, not the ceiling again. And, you know, it, it's it's part of what we did already. So why not put the stamp on it? Like you were talking earlier about how, you know, you, you used to go down to the markets and it used to be your recipes. How hands on can you be in your position now? Do you do you still do a little bit of that or, or do you miss that at all? I mean, I personally think my recipes were amazing, but I'm told <laughs> they're all blacklisted. I believe it's due to supply chain issues. But well, you know, um, <laughs> no, look, I, I love I love these times, but I'm also glad you know where we are today i'm feeling so privileged we're running an exceptional organization close to 2000 people i'm so proud of the people they are so much better at what they do than than what i could ever achieve in their functions and you know the chefs the people sourcing the food the people handling the food in the factories shipping the food wow i mean huge respect to them do you still have the original recipes anywhere yourself of course do you do you keep them of course they are f- recipes 1 to 50 in the database of the t- 6,000. <laughs> Great. And, and just, just finally, uh, what's next for Gusto then? What are, the, what are the big plans? What's the next 10-year plan? Um, more, more value to customers. You know, if we can be exceptional around price, taste, quality, you know, lead time, convenience, sustainability, health. It's so simple. If we can give customers value across all these dimensions, 
and then we'll get bigger and bigger and bigger and succeed. And so in a nutshell, that's the secret plan for the next 10 years. You know, we may or may not internationalize on the way. Uh, expect more data, technology, AI to come your way if you want to use Gusto's technology in any way possible. Uh, Bento is an amazing kind of success story. Um, but yeah, no, really proud where we are and, and so proud of the team for the opportunity that lies ahead in the next 10 years. That was Timo Boat from Gusto. For the best business news, interviews and analysis, go to standard.co.uk forward slash business or pick up the Evening Standard newspaper. How to be a CEO is back first thing every Monday morning. Why not start your week with us? Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Support comes from ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. You've heard the hype around AI. The truth is, AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow is the platform that puts AI to work for people across your business, removing friction and frustration for your employees, supercharging productivity for your developers, providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier. All built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people to learn more.